greetings. Uh, my name's Adam Draycott and uh, a warm welcome uh, to you as you join us for uh, church online here at St Augustine's Anglican Church in Varel. A uh, particular warm welcome to our church family who are watching as well as those beyond places like Ashford and uh, Delungra and Bingra has been tuning in as well. Uh, it's great that uh, we can be a blessing to you at this time. We've even had people from uh, Lithgow and Kalani Vale and the Bishop of all people uh, tuned in last week. Uh, so it's great that we can gather together. Uh, we come together, of course, to thank God and to praise him and we will spend some time praising God. Uh, Riley will lead us in, some, in a song uh, we will hear from God's word. Charlie Horwood is our preacher this morning. So at this point, he's probably glad the bishop tuned in last week and not this week. <laughs> we will pray for ourselves and uh, our friends and our neighbours and all who need our prayers. Joe Butler has prepared our pastoral prayers. Thank you, Joe. And we will have prayers of thanksgiving and confession as well. Uh, but to begin our time... Uh, let us share our sentence of scripture for this third Sunday after Easter. It comes from the 23rd Psalm and the 33rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all their host by the breath of his mouth. Let's sing.
Let's pray. Almighty God, you alone can order the unruly wills and passions of sinful people. Uh, Grant to us, your people, that we may love what you command and desire what you promise, that we might love what you love, Father. That's so among the many and varied changes of the world, don't we know that at the moment, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. And we know that place to be our Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Come to a time of confession. Acts chapter 17, verse 30 says, God now commands all people everywhere to repent, to turn around, to turn to him. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. John's first letter, chapter 1, verse 8, says that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Uh, use the pause button now, please, just to uh, uh, enable a moment of quiet reflection so that you can do business with God. Pause. Let us now confess our sins to Almighty God. And the words are on the screen. Most merciful God, we humbly admit that we need your help. We confess that we have wandered from your way. We have done wrong and we have failed to do what is right. You alone can save us. Have mercy on us, wipe out our sins and teach us to forgive others. Bring forth in us the fruit of the Spirit that we may live as disciples of Christ. This we ask in the name of Jesus our Saviour. Amen. God wills that all people should be saved and in response to his call we acknowledge our sins. God pardons those who humbly repent and truly believe the gospel. Therefore we have peace with God through Jesus Christ to whom be blessing and honour forever and ever. Amen. John's first letter, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, says that if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. This is the word of the Lord. 
Uh, The Gospel reading for today comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. When he sat down and oh, then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Put out into deeper water and let down the nets for a catch." Simon answered, "Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets." When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord.
Good day, everyone. I'm glad you could join me today. As we look at this passage in Luke 5, 1 to 11, we find a really good fishing story. Before we start, let's pray and then let's go fishing. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. I pray you'd help us, Lord, as we look into your word, that we'd gain more understanding. And Lord, I ask that you would help me to explain it in a way that we can understand this better. In Jesus' name. Amen. My experience with fishing started as a kid catching crabobs in the dam behind our house on the farm where I grew up. I'd tie a piece of raw meat to a length of cotton tied to a stick. I'd have many of these lines positioned around the dam and with a scoop made from a bit of chicken wire or an old kitchen strainer, I'd go around hauling in my catch once I had enough for a good feed, I'd go and find Mum in the kitchen and get her, get her to cook them up in a big pot. They were delicious. But growing up in the bush where fishing was restricted to rivers and dams, it was something I never took to with great enthusiasm and compared to the cray bobbing, I was quite unproductive. Sitting around for hours on a riverbank and not even getting a bite didn't really have that much appeal to me. But that all changed when a friend in the church I attended, used to attend decided to organise a deep sea fishing trip for about ten blokes. It was fantastic. It was the Luke story all over again. We all caught plenty of fish and for the next few years, once a year, we would head off to the coast and do it all over again. I was hooked. No more inland fishing for me. I, because we're doing a fishing story today, I'm prepared, I've got my rod and I've got my net. But stay listening and don't go to sleep because I'm going to talk, explain it later. In today's passage, I want to show you how Jesus went fishing. We, we will see his love for people, his desire for the lost and his call to us to reach the lost by being obedient to him. The passage will raise for us these questions. Do we love people as Jesus did? Are we concerned for the lost as he was? What does it mean to be lost? Let's now have a look at the passage and see how Jesus shows us to do this. Firstly, let's look at Jesus' love for the people and let's see how he really is concerned and cares for them from beginning, from beginning in verse 1. Jesus is beside the lake. A crowd has gathered to hear what he has to say. They want to know what this man is all about. There's a bit of push and shove and Jesus, realising that he's probably going to end up in the drink, notices two boats near the water's edge and he hops in one and preaches from there further out in the water. How would you feel with people pressing in like that? Notice, however, that Jesus doesn't get angry with the people he doesn't call in the security guards to stop him being crushed and he doesn't just up and leave because it's all getting a bit much. No, see what he does? He simply finds a quick solution to the problem and continues preaching the word of God without distracting his audience. You can see his heart is for the people, his great love for them, that he has the words of life that they need to hear. Jesus doesn't let natural circumstances hinder his love and care for people. 
it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13, and you may know this passage. Paul tells us what love looks like. Love is patient and kind. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Always perseveres. It never fails. Jesus' love for us is all this and much more. What Paul describes here is what we see a glimpse of in Jesus beside the lake. Many times in my own life I've experienced Jesus' love. In times of crisis, I just know he is there looking after me. Being patient and kind and never failing in his love for me. About five years into my working life, I was promised a job promotion and had my heart set on getting it. But after some sneaky business that went on behind my back, I missed out on the promotion and was, I was devastated. However, even though I couldn't understand God's purpose in, at the time, I knew that he still loved me and he had other plans for my life. I see Jesus' love in action in the people around me as well. Where we might have given up on someone who doesn't seem interested in responding to God's love, Jesus' love always perseveres. He never gives up on anyone. And I think there is an application here for our lives. We live in a hurting world and many people are desperately in need of the love of Jesus. If we have God's love in our lives, it can open up possibilities to share his love with others. For example, with the coronavirus happening around us now, there are opportunities for us to show people what God's love looks like. We can explain to them that he cares about their fears and anxieties and wants to help them through this difficult time. We can also help reach out in practical ways such as a phone call or maybe offering to do their shopping for them if they can't get out. We've seen a little bit of what Jesus' love looks like. The next, week, next thing we can see in the passage flowing on from this is his love and concern for the lost. We see this in two things. His preaching to the crowd and his discussion with Peter. Let's look at his message to the crowds first. Earlier in Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19, we get a hint of what Jesus' message was. Some of the crowd by the sea may have even heard this. In the synagogue in Nazareth, Jesus read from the prophet Isaiah. And this is what he read in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to, pre to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. After Jesus read this, he sat down and everyone was looking at him intently. He said to them, this prophecy has just, you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. And that was in Luke 4.20. Jesus quoted this passage. When Jesus quoted this passage, he was fulfilling it not just in the natural realm, but also in the spiritual realm. He had come to those who were spiritually lost, spiritually blind and spiritually oppressed, in desperate need of a saviour. No way a rabbi could have claimed that. His preaching was very different to what the people were used to. Here was Jesus saying, that he had been anointed by God and had come to rescue those who were spiritually lost. Now having seen Jesus' love for the lost 
in his preaching to the crowds, let's see how his love for the lost works in Peter's life. After he finished preaching, Jesus told Peter to put the boat out into deep water and let down the nets. Peter's probably thinking, what would this bloke know? He's a carpenter, not a fisherman. We've tried all night and haven't caught anything. And I borrowed that from one of Adam's sermons a while back. So thanks, Adam. Yet although Peter hadn't had much to do with Jesus, he recognises his authority and does it anyway. And here comes the huge turning point in Peter's life. Look in verse 6 and see the miracle that happens. The fishermen catch so many fish that their nets begin to break and their boats begin to sink. They've never experienced anything like this and it has a dramatic effect on Peter. We may think that Peter would have seen this as a wonderful opportunity to expand the fishing business in partnership with Jesus, but his reaction is just the opposite. He says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Go away from me. Jesus hadn't even preached to Peter, yet Peter was convicted of his sin, just like that, by being in Jesus' presence. I think this shows us that Peter was spiritually lost. He wasn't connected to God. He was experiencing the struggles of life, as we all do. He'd worked all night without success. Life was difficult. He would have, he would have known about God, but he was probably just living separate from the Lord, like most people do. When Peter came into the presence of God, he fell apart. He was lost, far from God, out of relationship with him. Have you ever been physically lost? I got lost near Dubbo a couple of years ago. I was returning home after purchasing some lambs and I decided to take a shortcut through a state forest. Big mistake. I took a wrong turn and with no mobile phone reception, no map or mobile phone reception, I was in trouble. But thankfully, I have a reasonable sense of direction and, even, and eventually, after many wrong turns and dead-end roads, I found my way out. But it wasn't a pleasant experience. The Bible tells us that we're all spiritually lost. When I was taught this as a young person... I committed my life to God, but through my teenage years I wanted to do my own thing and turn my back on him. Thankfully the Lord hadn't given up on me and at 19 I recommitted my life to him. We're all like Peter without Christ in our lives. I was until I asked Jesus to forgive me for my sin and come into my heart. As with Peter, this was a huge turning point in my life and now I want to live and serve him. Remember 1 John 1, 8 and 9, and we say it in church all the time, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, which Peter did, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we come into God's presence, things happen. He wants to change us and his desire is that no one would go to a lost eternity. When Jesus said to Peter, don't be afraid, there was plenty for Peter to be afraid about. Going to hell is a terrifying prospect and the Lord wants to rescue us from going there, but the choice is ours. We must realise that we have all sinned 
and without God's salvation in our lives, we are lost. Once we have made things right between us and God, we can then have compassion on those who are lost, not judging them because we were once in the same situation. God doesn't condemn us, but he forgives us, and this should motivate us to reach out to others with Jesus' words of comfort, don't be afraid. This is how we become fishers of men. But now we have found Peter is going, but now Jesus has found Peter and is going to bring a big change in his life. This leads us to our last point. Not only do we see Jesus' desire for the lost, we see that he calls us to do this as well. We need to obey him to reach the lost like the disciples did in the passage. Notice how this works out in verse 11 when Jesus said to Peter, from now on you'll fish for people. What did Peter and James and John do? Well, they dropped everything and they were obedient to his call. It's interesting that although the disciples had suddenly had, had, suddenly had a successful fishing business, they didn't ask Jesus to stay and keep the fish coming in. No, they up and left it all behind. So the disciples' priority had changed. Their focus now was to reach the lost. Let's make sure when God gives us success we don't lose sight of what he has called us to do. Remember when Jesus had risen from the dead what he called his disciples to do? And remind, We're reminded of this in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus commanded all disciples to be involved in making other disciples, in his own words, to be fishers of people. The disciples were at the beginning of this task, which was given to all Christians. They were the foundation of the church. They started this mission, as we can see in the book of Acts. However, it was not for them alone. It includes us. We are to be obedient to his command as well. The Lord has called us to be part of this great task, which Christians call the Great Commission. When I was a young bloke, I operated bulldozers for the New South Wales Soil Conservation Service in the Inverell district. I was part of a team that operated over 100 machines across the state carrying out farm-based soil conservation work. It was very rewarding to be involved in something that had a bigger picture than just my own life, something important that gave me a sense of purpose and something that would have a lasting effect. As disciples of Jesus, we need to see the importance of being involved in the big picture of reaching the lost. In doing this, we will gain a sense of purpose and it will have a lasting effect on people's lives. What does it mean to reach the lost? It means that we go out and tell people about the good news, about what Jesus has done for them. This good news is that Jesus came and lived on earth, died on the cross for our sins, rose again and is now ruling as Lord. And the incredible thing is that we can have eternal life with him simply by trusting and believing in Jesus, accepting him as our Lord and Saviour 
and living our lives for him. Jesus is the good news the world needs to hear. You know, this year we are focusing on the year of evangelism in our diocese. How can we do that or how can we continue to do that? We do it individually. And what are some of the ways that you can do it individually yourself? Is there someone you work with that you could reach out to? Praying for them regularly by name is a great way to start. Offering hospitality is a relaxed way to reach out to people. Accepting their invitations before you invite them to yours is a good idea. Other examples, um, and now this is once the coronavirus issue has passed, of course, sport and recreation, social gatherings, church men's and women's breakfasts and dinners, and of course church as well, or even maybe virtual church at the moment. There are numerous, way, numerous ways we can reach out individually to those around us. Statistics have shown that over 85% of people come to the Lord from one-on-one -on -one contact with a Christian. In 2 Timothy 4.5, the Apostle Paul encourages Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. He was a pastor, but it's not just the pastor's job to evangelise. Timothy was an example for all Christians to follow. Okay, now individually we've, we can draw the people in. We've caught them in, in they come, in they come. I need my net and I'm going to catch them when they come in. But I've got a problem. How can I bring that in, catch that fish? You might be able to do it, but I can't, so I need help. Adam, can you give me a hand? Where's the fish? Oh, that's a big one, Charlie. I'm going to get under it. Is this your idea? Yeah, got help? Oh, you, got oh, oh, oh. you got him. That's a beauty. That's, yeah, look at that. That's bigger than the last one. Good catch, mate. Well done. All right. So there we are. We're a team. We had to do it. We do it individually, and then we work together as a team. Once we have drawn the people in, we can work together as a team. It's important for our non-Christian friends to meet other Christians, to see other normal people believe what we believe. We can work together as a team to encourage new Christians. We can also work together in our Bible study groups. How can we do that? By praying for people by name, for example, those who we are wanting to reach, to reach with the gospel. I wonder if you do that. If not, maybe suggest it to your Bible study leader. Or if you're not sure how to... Or if we are not sure how to explain our Christian faith, we can do a course to learn how to share our story. God has given us different gifts and abilities. We need to find what works for each of us and do it with enthusiasm. So what have we looked at today? We have considered Jesus' love for people, how he went out of his way to care for them, and we've noticed how he has a desire to reach the lost. Do we have that desire? We have seen that as, the risen, that as the risen Lord, he commands us to be involved in his mission of seeing others who are lost saved. Let's pray that our Lord would help us with this great task. Remember, Jesus' love for people, his desire for the lost, and his call to reach the lost by being obedient to him. Amen.
Jesus has come, eternal word. And as he speaks, our souls laid bare. Naked is shamed, sin is made clear, and yet he clothes us in his love. Never alone, Christ is with us, is with us. A prayer of general thanksgiving. Uh, Please join me in the words of the screen. Most merciful Father, we humbly thank you for all your gifts so freely given to us, for life and health and safety, for power to work and leisure to rest, 
We praise and glorify your holy name. But above all, we thank you for your spiritual mercies in Christ Jesus our Lord, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. Fill our hearts with all joy and peace in believing through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, let's continue our time of thanksgiving as we uh, thank God for the gifts that we received um, during the week, uh, even, even for this month. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you uh, for your kindness and generosity to us in Jesus. Uh, we thank you, Father, for the expressions of love received this week uh, through the envelopes, uh, through the checks, uh, through uh, the giving received electronically. Uh, well, we thank you uh, for the generosity of your people here at St Augustine's. We thank you that we can be generous because you are first generous to us. Uh, we thank you that this is part of our worship and part of our response uh, to, to you as our, our God a God who loves us and who is good, for, good to us and good for us. Uh, we ask for wisdom as we use our resources. We pray that we would use our resources here at St Augustine's to worship you, uh, to point people to Jesus. That as we think about our, um, our property and our finances, that we would... Uh, put all of our energy into the proclamation of the good news of Christ, especially at this time of crisis. Uh, Father, we ask for your help as we seek to do this. Uh, we ask for wisdom uh, and we ask for your strength and courage uh, in the days ahead. But most especially, we ask that you would be glorified and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we'll now enter a time of prayer. Uh, please join me. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we pray for your wisdom and patience in this time of great confusion and panic. We pray for all of those afflicted by COVID-19 and all those who've had a family member or friend affected by it. We pray for wisdom, especially when it comes to the decision to relax social distancing. Please let the world leaders make wise and informed decisions on when to lift the quarantine. We also pray, Lord, for those struggling with minimal contact during the quarantine, that they may come to know you in their time of loneliness and sadness. We also pray, Lord, that we are not ignorant of families afflicted by other illnesses despite the prominence of COVID-19 in this time. We pray for peace through you to be known on all the earth and for those that seek peace to know it through you. We pray for Christians throughout the world who are being persecuted because of their love for you and that they may one day find peace in an understanding of religious freedom. We also pray, Lord, for the leaders and important members of our church, that they would lovingly and wisely teach your word and that they may bring honour and glory to your name in their actions and in their teachings. We also thank you, Lord, for all of the good things that you have given us in this life. We thank you for the rain that you have given us, and we ask that those who need it get it soon. 
We thank you for the health that many people still have despite the spread of COVID-19. And we thank you for the kindness that many people continue to show throughout this time of panic and hardship. We thank you for the safe country that we live in and those who aren't as fortunate will soon come to know its peace. We thank you for all that you have given us and for the saving death of your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that we may never forget the price for our sins is death and that you saved us from them by the death of your only son. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Uh, let us pray as our Saviour Christ has taught us. We are confident to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Show me on that cross 
our closing prayer. Loving God, we thank you for hearing our prayers, feeding us with your word and encouraging us in our time together. Take us and use us to love and serve you in all, and all people. In the power of your spirit and in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hi, I'm Simon Carter and I'm one of the people who look after our partnership with the North Kigizi Diocese in Uganda. And I'm coming to you from my office and like uh, a lot of other people in Australia are doing, I'm working from home at the moment. But I realised something that while I am at home, I've got a well-resourced office, I have warmth and food, I can go to the shops, but that's not the case across the world. And in this short video, I want us to appreciate some of the dire situation that's happening in Uganda at the moment with the COVID-19 outbreak. Two weeks ago, President Museveni, he's the president in Uganda, ordered a nationwide lockdown to contain the COVID-19 outbreak, recognising that if the virus did become widespread, Uganda doesn't have the resources to save lives. So he put in place restrictions that stopped the movement of people. Uh, stop people using uh, cars, either public or private, any public transport, all vehicles, including motorcycles, uh, shopping malls and schools were closed, churches were closed. In fact, anything that wasn't to do with uh, food uh, was closed. Now, the lockdown had immediate impact on lots of families. Uh, food prices have risen rapidly as foods become scarce. There's also no regulations on profiteering in Uganda. But these lockdown effects actually had some positive effects. The virus has only got 55 confirmed cases and the curve seemingly has been flattened. But the cost has been really high over the past couple of weeks. On top of that, the president... Uh, just the end of last week, declared that a lockdown is going to continue for another three weeks, and that's actually got people quite worried. In the North Kigizi Diocese, Bishop Bennon, he's the bishop of the diocese, he's reported that not only are businesses that are, are there affected, even families who grow food uh, and sell food are struggling. And so some families are cutting back to one meal a day to ration their food. Now, Bishop Bennon, he's got two strategies to support his diocese. Uh, he's written to us to ask for help, and he's identified that there's around, at the moment, 500 families most at risk at facing impending starvation. Now, they're working with those families. Uh, however, they expect that number to grow over the new lockdown period. And so it's something that we need to, to pay attention to. Secondly, Bishop Bennon's also identified that there's healthcare workers across the diocese that have been placed there by the government. The government deployed healthcare workers into small communities to look after people who are sick because the government doesn't want people to move. However, those healthcare workers that have been placed there haven't got any financial support and they're now dependent on small communities to keep giving them food. And you can imagine the problem to try to get food from people who have no food, well, that's an added issue. So Bennon has established a district task force 
to assist those healthcare workers. So Benin has written to us, and in a moment we're going to hear from Benin and a few others on some of the things that are happening in Uganda. Hello friends in Australia. This is Bishop Benin Magezo of North Gezi in Uganda. Hello, my name is Aishka Pena. Christian love and greetings from Enoka Karamzi, the Diocesan Secretary, North Gezi Diocese. Hello everyone, my name is Brian Mvereza. I am the Deputy Principal the coronavirus pandemic is impacting communities all over the world. This global pandemic has affected the church. As the whole world is being affected by this pandemic disease, COVID-19, our prayers and thoughts are always with you. In Uganda, we are one month in the lockdown. It is among the over 213 countries worldwide with the coronavirus case. The Uganda got its first confirmed case on 21st March 2020. As of 20th April this year, Uganda had 56 confirmed cases with 28 recoveries and zero death. Churches are closed, schools are closed. People are confined to their homes. They are not moving. And as a country, we are in a total lockdown. And the president of Uganda has extended more 21 days. So this has put all the businesses at a standstill. This is the season we're supposed to celebrate Easter. That is the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the period all the time that the church collects funds to run the diocese through the year. For example, North Gates Diocese, we have over 150 employees who are catered and, and paid by the diocese from this fund collected during Easter season. So this means that the operations of the church are going to be on a standstill. There will be no funds. Uh, there will be no other big day to correct church money. And that means that the employees will go unpaid for the rest of the months. And most of the people here, uh, one mouth feeds the many, meaning that uh, there is less food in family since one person was working and this time around there is no work. So many people are facing hunger. Those who are earning, have been earning uh, their daily bread, uh, those are the ones we are even concerned more, uh, and those small agriculturists or farmers. We are concerned about those. We are concerned about the, the poor and the elderly in the villages. We are concerned about those people at the church because they may face starvation in the coming days. Coronavirus pandemic has resulted into people being quarantined with corresponding restrictions on public transport, access to food and markets. The elderly, children, disabled and vulnerable remain in deep danger of starvation, accessing care, medicine and other essential services. Families, whereas the 60% of our population have gardens, yeah. and the gardens that they have means a lot to our community mm -hmm. because some of them 
they sell their produce to get their income yeah, yeah. because they are not employed. Mm -hmm. Their guidance is their job. Yeah. So that's where they have the loan. Mm -hmm. That's where they have the, uh, the, the school fees. Mm -hmm. That's where they have what to take. Mm -hmm. So for us, we, we sell what we have produced yeah. and eat, not the surplus, but the, the, the um, how can I call it, the, the best matoke, the best banana goes to the market and the worst is what the most of the people eat. Mm -hmm. And this time around, there is no market for both. So there is no money mm -hmm. that affects, uh, if you have eaten the whole, that means uh, for those who have been having the gardens, they have eaten what they were expected to sell and there is poverty mm. in the family. It is not all that simple. It is not all that easy around us. I pray for you. Please for, pray for us. The, 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 the situation is getting tougher because even our church leaders, our income service has been through uh, corrections, but even the church leaders are not now doing ministry. They are locked in their homes. Some of them are also affected. They may also go hungry. We have nurses and healthcare workers who are at health centers. These health centers include both the government and the assistant health centers. All those who are there, they are not getting income. They are not earning. At times they are supported by the communities they work in and that's, that's a challenge. As a diocese and realizing the urgency, we've sent $10,000 from our diocese across to the North Kigizi Diocese for Bishop Benin to use as food relief as soon as possible. So I'm asking us to respond in two ways. Firstly, I'd like us to pray. Pray for wisdom for Bishop Benin and the Diocese Secretary, that's Enoch, as they work quickly to get support where it's most needed. Pray for a cure and pray for patience in the meantime. Secondly, I'm asking us to help, to help support our brothers and sisters in the North Kigizi Diocese in Uganda. Now, I realise that some families are feeling a bit stressed with their own dealing with COVID-19 coming straight off the back of a drought. But $25 will support a family of five for a week, buying maize flour. $100 will see that family right through the lockdown a little bit after. And I would like us to give to exceed that $10,000 that's already been given so that we can expand our support. Now, the best way to give uh, is through a bank transfer, and those details will be on the Dyson website under Missions in the North Higizi Partnership. Can I, in our wealth, encourage us to dig deep for our brothers and sisters who are in a very real need? If you've got any further questions or you'd like to ask anything else, just give me a call. I'm at Oxyvale Anglican Church and I'll be in my office ready for you. Thank you. We thank God for sustaining our lives and keeping you safe there. And we thank God for our partnership in Andale uh, Diocese. And we pray for each other to see this pandemic uh, uh, getting away because it's an unseen enemy which is attacking the whole world. Thank you so much. We pray for God's provision. We pray for financial support and the assessment of this virus. I can't forget to thank the Amidal Diocese in Australia that has sent us $10,000 for, 
as food relief to support the most needy families. God bless you. Let's globally pray for this COVID-19 to cease in our country, in the whole world. I thank you. With your prayers and support, we shall overcome this.